Hey everybody, welcome back to Flying with a Purpose. I'm David, and in this episode, Derek and I talk a lot about the complexities surrounding different ratings and add-ons. The whole thing is enough to leave you scratching your head, and it feels a little inside baseball. In fact, I make a reference to that in the episode. It's a really interesting conversation, and it shows just how complex getting new ratings and certificates can be. This is Flying with a Purpose, a podcast brought to you by Flight Review and Melbourne Flight Training. I'm David Allen, a student pilot currently pursuing my private pilot certificate. And I'm Derek Fallon, a certified flight instructor and the owner of Melbourne Flight Training. Got a question about flight training or aviation in general? We'd love to answer it. Details about how to send us your questions will be at the end of the show. Now, let's get to the good stuff. What was your last flight? The last flight that I did? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, mock check ride in the in the Duchess for a multi engine add on student commercial. So what's the difference there? You've got you've got a multi engine. So say when you say an old multi engine add on, what is so, that? For those of you who are reading your regulations, <laughs> uh, you know we have category of aircraft, right? Which is going to be airplane, rotorcraft, balloon, glider, all that stuff, right? And then we have classes of aircraft, which is uh, some form of class underneath the main category of the aircraft, right? So if you have an airplane, you'll have single-engine land and multi-engine land. So when we say an add-on, we mean this person already holds a category class rating for airplane something, like airplane single-engine land, and they want to add on a class of rating to that existing category that they have. So they're rated in airplanes, and they want to add another class rating, like seaplane, or multi-engine. And then we usually do that add-on at the level that their previous certificate, uh, their highest certificate is, so that they can kind of bring that up to that level of certificate. So if they're a commercial pilot, we wouldn't do it at the private level. We would just add it to their commercial pilot certificate. So they would follow the ACS for the commercial pilot for adding that category on. So an instrument... An instrument rating is a rating, and but that's not a certificate. A commercial is actually a certificate. That's correct. So you're adding a- airplane multi-engine land to their commercial certificate. That's correct. So does and that it, mean it's done to different standards? It's done to the commercial standards. Okay, so if I, I could get an airplane multi-engine land on my private that's correct. certificate, mm-hmm. what happens if I got a, a commercial certificate? Would that be, and I did my commercial in a Cessna 182, would that mean I'm not commercially? Uh, would that mean I don't have an airplane multi-engine land for my commercial certificate? I only have it for private. If you did the private and you added a multi-engine to your private, and you did another check ride for a commercial in a single-engine airplane, then your private, your multi would still be at private privileges. So that cert- that that class rating would remain at that level, which means you couldn't fly for money, even though you have a commercial pilot certificate for. Single engine land, right? Okay. And so you would have to do a multi engine check ride. Wait a minute. That sounds right. <laughs> I'd have to do an additional multi engine check ride for the commercial? Yes. Okay. Now, now I'm confusing myself. <laughs> Very complicated. Um, yes, you'd have to do a check ride for both. But if, okay, so then if I just got my commercial, let's say I got my airplane multi-engine land mm-hmm. uh, add-on 
It, it, uh, was that a rating? No, it's a. If you got your multi-engine add-on to your commercial pilot certificate, it would be a certificate. If I got my multi-engine add-on to a private, then that's a, a that's a different private certificate. No, it's, it goes on the same one. It just adds a class rating to that. Okay. privileges. So then, if I if I got my commercial certificate afterwards, advisably, I should just get multi-engine. Is that would that make more sense? I mean, if you're going on to like an airline job or something like that, then that definitely is is where you want to go. Uh, but you know, you still got to be a CFI, or you got to do find someone to build time. And most people won't start you out in a twin, so you should have a commercial single engine as well. And you can do that check ride add on uh, by doing demonstrating the commercial maneuvers that are in the commercial ACS in a single engine airplane. So if you did the initial in the multi, you'd do an add on for the single. If you did the initial in a single, you'd do the add on for the multi. But if you want to attach your instrument rating to either one of those. Um, whichever one is the add-on, you'll have to do an approach. Okay. Right? So let's say you started out in... in pro- most people start out in singles, right? So let's say you start on a single-engine private pilot rating, and you get an instrument rating, and then you get commercial rating single-engine, and then you add the multi onto the commercial. So now we've done four check rides. When you add that multi-engine on for the first time, you have to shoot an approach, in the multi-engine airplane on the check ride to add instrument rating to the multi-engine certificate. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yes. So, so there's a lot of boxes to check. To there's a lot of things. boxes to check and there's a lot of regulations and it's very, very, very thick. And like we were talking about earlier, like selecting flight schools, you, the people that you're working with to get your ratings should very, clearly have all of the stuff spelled out for you on how to get there. They should have a plan for your training so that you cut, you check all these boxes and they're changing all the time. So when you ask me these questions now, I can't guarantee you that in a year, the process will still be the same. Overall, the process will still be the same, but the way you get there can change. Like they just added TAA this year. So now you don't have to have your complex. That's technically advanced oh, aircraft. Oh yes, I'm sorry. For I should, people who should don't explain know. that. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's technically advanced aircraft, which it means a glass cockpit aircraft with an autopilot, uh, a two-axis autopilot, can be used to substitute for the complex type. So you don't even have to fly a complex airplane to get a commercial single engine anymore, which is really cool because there's a lot of Cirruses out there or Cirri. There's a lot of Cirri out there. There's 7,500 plus now, um, and that, that allows you to get your commercial without a retract. But you have to look at the regulations, and you have to say, all right, I'm trying to achieve this certificate or rating. How do I get there and meet those requirements? Exactly, because when you go to the check ride, the DP, that's the first thing the DP is going to look at, is this candidate qualified for this check ride? And if your flight school has made a mistake and you skipped a step, well, you may be paying for a check ride that you're not getting that day. Because they'll still charge you for their time. Yeah, that's right. So you want to make sure you have all your ducks in a row. Awesome. If we're not inside baseball already, I'm about to get even more so. Um, if if I have, it, 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 is it safe to assume that a seaplane rating is an upgrade from a, a land rating? And if so, I'm going to draw a picture. I get my airplane single engine land. I do a seaplane add-on. And then I get airplane multi-engine C because I want to fly like a Grumman Widgeon, right? Does that automatically qualify me for airplane multi-engine land as well? Nope. (laughs) 
no, that's it does crazy. Not. Because the because the maneuvers specified, the tasks specified under the ACS are different. Because you have to be able to like you're going to have to demonstrate short field landings in a multi engine land airplane. Well, you can't right. do okay. a short field landing in a per se in, in a, a in a in a yeah in a in a twin engine. Uh, Grumman Widgeon, right? But you can do confined area landings, which is where you're going to have like uh, very tall trees on either side of a lake and you have to dive in and land the seaplane in a very short area without going <laughs> hitting the edge of the lake and not being able to stop by the end of the lake. So uh, theirs is a little bit different, but and it was not necessarily an upgrade. It is just an ability to fly a different type of airplane, a different class of airplane that is different from what you're trying to do the only the only reason i would achieve seaplane ratings in this day and age is if you are going to specifically fly seaplanes or you want to do it for fun for fun sure. yeah I, i'd probably do it for fun i really want to do it i just haven't had the time but uh there's there's very little purpose for seaplanes anymore and it's very specific markets that operate them so those are the places you would want to utilize that rating in and uh then the tasks under the ACS are specifically suited to those types of airplanes. So if I get a single engine um, airplane, single engine airplane, single engine C, mm-hmm. okay, uh, and then I want to go fly uh, for the airlines. Uh, let's say scheduled airline services flying uh, a two was it a two o eight caravan on yep. floats. I now need to get commercial. And probably because it's scheduled airline services, I got to get an ATP. Yes. And, and so, what would that rating look like? Is it an airplane single engine C ATP certificate? How does that? Well, what you does would that look you would like? go for your your ATP certificate when you have the the, the requirements. Um, you would go for your ATP certificate, and you would perform the check ride in a. Let's say you're going to do the check ride in the caravan on floats. You would have a. ATP single engine C rating. But let's say you started out and you had your, I guess you would have your commercial somewhere else, right? So you would have your commercial in, in say, a, a single engine or multi engine land aircraft, which is what most people do. You would still retain those privileges. You would only have ATP privileges in the C plane. Okay. Does that make sense? And then how would you upgrade to get ATP privileges in something else? You would have to take an add on check ride for like single engine land, multi engine land uh to add those privileges and you would have to do it by the right now it's the atp pts practical test standards but it's they got a draft out for the atp acs airman certification standards which is the new one with the knowledge and risk management elements and all that's much it's talk about the difference between the pts and the ats real acs real quick real basic way to explain it pts was you want to become a pilot if you learn the mechanical functions of becoming a pilot and you can perform these tasks under the practical test standards, you can become a pilot. Great. You know some stuff. You can do some stuff. The ACS said, wait a minute. We do have some safety issues in the industry. Let's identify those and give scenario-based training with risk management and knowledge elements. Why are you doing a steep turn? What is the risks of doing a steep turn? Why are you doing a short field landing? What are the risks of that? Um, it, when we're talking about doing the oral part of the practical examination, there, there's actual scenarios in there that the, the, it says the examiner will ask you to do like a, a equipment malfunction scenario. So how does this 
private pilot candidate handle the fact that he walked out to his airplane and his landing light isn't off today? How are you going to handle that? So you stay within the confines of the regulations and what the FAA considers as safe, what they recommend, or what's regulatory. So the big thing with the ACS is it's just moving in, in the direction of increasing general aviation safety and making training more comprehensive. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is it kind of like instead of I'm uh, just teaching rules, now I'm also teaching more principles? Principle-based training, like, okay, why – you're, you're two years old. Don't run out in the street. You're five years old. This is why I don't want you to run out in the street. You're eight years old. If you're going to run out in the street, here's how you do it safely. We okay. start out at level eight. Okay. So so we're we're starting out – with like, if you're with an instructor and they're teaching you a rating under the ACS, that that should be all part of the briefing. Here's who, what, when, where, and how this is how we're going to conduct this maneuver today. This is how we're going to operate an airplane. This is how we're going to think. The in the past, it was a good idea to have your airport diagram out when you're taxiing the airplane around the airport. Now it's required. Now the ACS says. You know, you must have your, your chart out when you're taxiing because you need to know where you're going because we've had too many people taxi out or land on the wrong runways or land on taxiways or just cause problems. And, and, it, and when that stuff happens, people get hurt and they get killed. So we, we, these are a DP a long time ago, and this is obviously learning under the PTS, but DP a long time ago. He said, where's your book of regulations? I said, I don't have it with me. And he said, why don't you have that? I said, oh, I just, I didn't think I need it today. And he goes, what do you mean you don't think you need it? He goes, that was written in blood. This, people died so that they can make these, and and they made these rules so that you would be able to reference them so that you wouldn't become them and that you would fly safely. And I think that's what the ACS is, is they've seen, all this stuff happened over decades of operating airplanes and America really is the leader in doing that. The FAA. So the FAA is kind of like at the forefront of all this stuff. And they said, we got to, we got to fix these problems. So that's, that's where all that came from. We're getting close to the end of our, a lot of time. Um, what was the, uh, so this, I'll make this the last question. What was the, what was the transition like for you and for CFIs, certificated flight instructors that you know of, that uh, to transition from teaching the PTS to the ACS, and and I'm guessing that there's a lot of instructors <laughs> that probably laugh. already did teach to kind of like that scenario based training. But have you have you seen a, a has it been difficult for you and for people you know? I laugh, and the reason why I laugh is because it was such a huge deal, and it wasn't a huge deal at all. Because of a cost, like it implemented some sort of cost or it, like it just caused all these problems. It was a huge deal because there was just such, so much fear mongering. When the ACS was coming out, everybody's like, oh, you're going to have to do this now. And oh, it's going to take two days to do a private pilot check ride because they have to cover all this stuff. And at the end of the day, we got it. We looked at it. And we went, okay, it's time to learn from this and see how we can make this happen because it is good. And I think there was a lot of industry infighting, but at the, at the end of the day, we're conducting things very similarly to where we were 
a decade or two decades ago. We're still teaching steep turns the same way. We're still, you know, we have a little bit of a different idea of how to handle stalls. And the FAA, I think, is really making good progress on how to handle stalls and how to teach people controllability. Loss of control is a, a huge subject. But it's brought to the forefront all these things that we just were like, let's kick the tires like the fires go fly. Let's learn to fly by just throwing somebody in it. And that really wasn't the best way to do it. So transitioning to the ACS, uh, now I think we've realized after utilizing it and kind of understanding what they meant by giving it to us and saying, here's what you should do now is we we've learned to teach people from the beginning that they have to have, make a conscientious, conscientious effort towards risk management and safety. And it's the responsibility of everybody down to the nine hour student pilot to the 9,000 hour jet captain to do that. Good. I think that's a great place to wrap up. And, um, you know, as a student pilot, I, I always want to be evaluating the risk. And, you know, I mean, I've got, you know, I've got people that are depending on me. You have people that are depending on you, people at home, plus people in my airplane, people on the ground, you know. I mean, we did it in episode one when we did uh, basic flight maneuvers. Yes. The first time we tried to go up, I mean, we were like struggling with the decision to not go. Are we going to go? Are we going to not go? And the weather was just too bad. Yep. You know, and, and back and in the day, back even, in the, it wasn't even horrible weather. It was just like we could have gone, but it just it wasn't the right decision. It was marginal. To go. So right. why why do it? Why risk? Right. It? So back in the day, before ACS and before all these things were something that we thought about on a regular basis, I think you saw a lot of risky operations going on, and everyone was guilty of it. You know, we fly in whatever we're we're, out, we're we're learning to fly. Let's go fly. Let's go fly. And and now that's. It's not necessary. Yeah. And, and I think the ACS has helped teach us that. And I think that over time, we're going to see the, the fruit of that. It'll probably take time to, to have that actually I think we already have. I think, we, I think we're, we have a safer environment now. Good. I mean, technological advances have, have played a very big part in that, along with the ACS and along with teaching differently. And it has caught – there is a higher cost to it because you've got to do more ground. You've got to do more flying and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, everybody's trying to build 250 hours, right? So, <laughs> you know, you got to get that commercial certificate. So you're going to fly a little bit more. But it, it, there have been a lot of all these factors together have made flying a lot safer. And, and it's always evolving, which is really cool to watch it happen. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us here. And thanks, thanks for, for listening. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, you've been listening to David, a, a, a private pilot student uh, who is uh, just trying to get through my private training and then uh, move on from there. Uh, you've also been listening to Derek, a certified flight instructor and owner of Melbourne Flight Training at Melbourne Airport. Well, thanks for having me, Dave. Appreciate it. And we'll keep talking. Uh, check out lessons that we're doing on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash flight review. And uh, we hope you enjoy this and every episode of Flying with a Purpose. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Flying with a Purpose. If you'd like us to consider answering your question on the show, send us an email to podcast at flightreview.tv. That's podcast at flightreview.tv. We would love to hear from you. Also, check out the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash flightreview for the latest flight training episode. Derek is trying to turn me into a pilot in front of the world. Finally, if you like this show, 
please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out to have some five-star ratings, especially when we are just starting out. Again, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of Flying with a Purpose. Thank you.